I know you've heard it time and time again, but you haven't heard it from me yet. So, happy Easter. I came with a message from the king, and he wanted me to tell you that Jesus is alive. I am so glad that you have decided to join us today. There's a lot of churches streaming online today, and praise God for that. Uh, but I'm so glad you clicked on our uh, live stream. Thank you. We, we don't take that lightly, and I pray that God has already blessed you, and he will continue to bless you with this word today. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it ready. We're going to be in the book of Luke. But before we get there, it's just a blessing to know that we have people on the other side of computer screens and, and phones and, and tablets and TVs that are worshiping with us and, and just absorbing this word with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. We don't take it lightly. Thank you. If I can just say from my heart for a second, strictly on a personal note, um, this is the 19th Easter message that I have delivered to this body, and I, I, I wish I could put into words, uh, but it would be impossible for Kim and I to really express how humbled we are to serve you. We love you. We thank God for you, and even though it's our 19th year, it's the first Easter, and I'm so excited. I, if you could see chill bumps, you'd see them. It's the first Easter where I get to sh I get to share the greatest story ever told with Pastor Dwayne and the beautiful people of the body gathering as we unite together as his teams and my teams as we come together and celebrate as one church. And I'm, I'm, I'm just so, I'm so thankful for this new beginning, for what God is doing and this move that he has invited us to just join him in. Today we're going to start a brand new message series today. I've entitled it, I Deserve It, and, and special thanks to Pastor Craig Gishel of Life Church for the concept of this series, but, but, but I want us to talk about a story of someone who actually deserved death, someone who deserved death, but what I love about it is because of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, he didn't get what he deserved. He deserved death, but instead, Jesus flipped the script on the enemy, and instead of death, he got eternal life. And it was a, a, a good fundamental concept and truth that we have to wrap our mind around if we really want to get what God has for us in this message. It's really one big thought, and here's the thought. Me, you, all of us, we are all guilty of breaking God's laws. We are all guilty of sinning. Every one of us has broken promises. We've done things we said we wouldn't. We've done things we shouldn't. We're all guilty. In other words, I love what James says in James chapter 2, verse 10. You don't have to turn there. You can make note of it if you want to. Your Bible says, for the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. So even the most self-righteous person has to admit that they've broken one of God's laws, that they have 
sinned. Maybe we've stolen. Maybe we've lied. Maybe we've cheated. Whatever. You, you could have just lusted one time. And James has just taught us that if you've done it once, you might as well have done it all. I am so thankful that we have a way through Jesus Christ to have that washed clean. That's what I want to talk about with you today. When a crime is committed, when there's something that happens, when there's a law broken, if you will, to, to keep it in a spiritual context, when we sin, there's, there's a punishment that has to happen. There's, there's, there's a consequence to our actions, if you will. And Romans 6 tells us exactly what that consequence is or what the payment is when we sin. Romans 6.23, a very, very familiar verse to all of you probably. But the first part of that says, for the wages of sin is death. And I want to make sure we're all tracking here. The wages of sin is death. We, we know we've sinned against God. We've established that. So we actually deserve death. As the title of the series says, I deserve it. But the good news is, because the grace and mercy of God, that we don't have to get what we deserve. Hallelujah. Rather, we can receive something that is in fact just the opposite. And it is life. And it is eternal life. The rest of that verse, in fact, I'll just read the whole verse. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So now if you'll go to Luke 23, I want to build upon that foundation for the next few minutes, if you'll allow me. We're going to look at a story of two thieves. You probably know the story. It's the story of the crucifixion. But I want to talk specifically about the two thieves in this story. We're going to see that Jesus is actually on the cross and he's hanging between two lawbreakers, two sinners, two thieves, or two criminals. Here's what Luke has to say about it. In Luke chapter 23, I'll give you a moment to get there. Luke 23, verse 32 and verse 33, our Bibles say this. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him, him being Jesus. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed Jesus to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And before we read the next part of the story, let me just talk about crucifixion for a moment because we have to get our minds around this. There were many ways that people could be executed in the day that Jesus walked on this earth. And, and, but the, the, the most expensive, if you will, and really the most brutal of all executions was crucifixion. Therefore, Roman leaders would, would, would want to bring an extra measure of humiliation or, or an extra measure of pain and suffering. They would, they would take someone and parade them right through the middle of town. And, and here's what everyone that would be maybe a, a bystander looking on as someone who was going to be crucified was carrying their cross through Main Street, if you will. Here's what they knew. Whoever goes out is not coming back. The road to the crucifixion was one way, but Jesus. And so he's hanging here, and this crucifixion that was painful and was 
humiliating. They would strip the criminals down until they were naked. And they would hang naked in front of everybody. And the sun would beat down on you for days, days on end. And there would literally be, their, their skin and their flesh would be baking in the sun. And they would begin to lose their senses in many cases. And you can just imagine how horrible this would be. They would be so exhausted that they would try to lift themselves up just to get a breath, just to fill their lungs full of air. They would lift themselves up. I don't know about you, but I even feel my own chest beginning to restrict because I can feel the pain of the cross. And as they would lift themselves up for the last time, they would be not just exhausted, but they would be suffocated and they would die. I think you can imagine how horrible that would be. If you'll drop down to verse 39, our Bible say this, one of the criminals hanging beside Jesus scoffed. And here's what he said. He said, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it. Would you just pause? Would you feel the weight of that? Here's a man that is, he's got very little breath left. And he's using what very little breath that he has left to call out Jesus. Oh, God, forgive us. The criminal hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself. And then he says something that really tells what's really going on in his heart. He says, prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. I love that. But remember, we got another criminal, we got another bad guy, if you will, and he's on the other side of Jesus, and he pipes up, and he begins not to call out Jesus, but he calls out the thief on the other side of Jesus that just called him out. Verse 40, but the other criminal protested, pause, we've already defined and come to the conclusion we're all sinners, but when we get in the presence of Jesus, I hope that I have the courage and the boldness, and I pray that you have the courage and the boldness to protest for that which is right. And listen, listen, protest doesn't always mean you're carrying a sign around. Protest, listen, I'm, I'm not a sign holder. I'm not that guy. That's not what I do. But man, I can pray against, and you can pray against. I hope we all are willing to take a stand for what we know is wrong. But I'll continue to read. The other criminal protested. Don't you fear God, he asked, even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man, and he was referring to Jesus, whom was on his side, this man hasn't done anything wrong. What I'd like to do today in a very humble and compassionate, but yet a very real way, I want to suggest that you and I and every single one of us on this planet are spiritually speaking, we are like one of these two thieves. Every single one of us. No one gets a pass on this. If we just look at it from a spiritual perspective, we are in the eyes of God one of the two. And what I want to do is I want to look again just a little closer into these final moments of Jesus on the cross. You're like, hey, hold on. Uh, Pastor, I thought that we were going to be talking about the risen Savior. We are, but you can't get to the tomb without going the way of the cross. And I think this is important to bring out. So I want us to 
Look at verse 39 again. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffs, so you're the Messiah. Are you proof of us saving yourself and us too while you're at it? So what do we know about this guy? Just, just, on, just on the very little information that we've received, I think we can come to a conclusion, and I don't think that it would be too far off base. I think we could say that this man is arrogant. I think no one would argue with me on that. I think he's full of pride. I think he's selfish. He feels very entitled. He doesn't fear God one bit. He doesn't believe that Jesus is who he says he is. If there's anything about God that he wants, it would be played out like this. Okay, okay, Mr. Jesus, if you're the Savior, if you're the guy that's doing all the saving, if you're the one that all these people are crying for down here, save yourself. Oh, and save me. Prove that you are who you say you are and save me as I hang here to die with you. And quite honestly, there are some folks that take that approach. Can I be dead honest with you? I took that approach the same type of way. Like, all right, if there's a heaven and hell, I'm going to say a little prayer. I'm going to do something good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to church, what, whatever it looks like in your background. I don't know what it is. I'll, I'll, I'll give some money. I'll check a box on a card. I'll, I'll make a few calls. I'll feed the hungry. I'll even get baptized if that's what you want. I'll do whatever it takes to get the stuff I need from him. But do not ask me for anything back. I want, Jesus, what you can do for me. And I'll do some little service but don't ask for nothing like my life, although I want yours. Yeah, we, we all exist. It's, it's an entitled mindset. This, this guy does not recognize really that he has any guilt. It's as if he's saying, I've done nothing wrong. I'm good to go. This isn't right. It's not fair. So if I can do something to get out of this, I will, because you're Jesus, right? If you're Jesus, prove it. If we had to summarize this guy in one word, I would say that he is unrepentant, unrepentant. And if you're new to church or maybe you're unchurched and you don't go to church and that's totally cool, that's not what I'm here to do. But that word unrepentant just means you ain't sorry for what you do. You know you've done wrong. You know that there's things in your life that you need to get rid of. You know there's things in your life. And every time you do it, you feel something inside of you, in your spirit that just moves, in your heart that just twists. You know you shouldn't. Maybe it's something you look at, something you listen to. Maybe it's somewhere you go. Maybe it's something you've done. And you just keep going. This man would be unrepentant and he's not owning any of his sinfulness. I just encourage you this morning on this beautiful Easter morning, listen to me. Own, own what it is we've done. Just own it. That's the first step in your healing process. Listen, listen, listen. If I, if I could just help somebody out there right now. Owning it is your first step in healing your marriage. Owning it is your first step in fixing that which is broken in your heart and in your life and in your relationships. So many times people will come up to me and me and my beautiful wife, Miss Kim, we get to sit across and talk to folks who maybe they're struggling in their marriage and they, you know, they'll, they'll begin to talk and, and it, it goes the same way 100% of the time. It always starts like this. I know I've done wrong, but he or but she and every time I'll 
interrupt the person speaking and say, that may be true, but if you're only wrong 10% and the other person is 90, if you will own your 10%, work on your 10%, you will see progress and improvement in your relationship. This man was unrepentant. He was not sorry for his sin. He's not owning any of it. The second criminal, though equally guilty, had a different perspective when he says in Luke chapter 23, verse 40, the other criminal protested, don't you fear God? I love that. The difference is so clear. Sometimes I think Jesus would say to the people today, don't you have any fear in my father at all? Don't you fear him? Don't you have a reverence for him? Don't you have a, a spiritual respect and awe for the one that created the universe? Do you have no reverence and awe for him at all? He hasn't done anything wrong. He says, we're under the same sentence. Look, here's the reality. All three of them were hanging on a cross. All three of them were getting ready to die. All three of them had been sentenced to death. But one owns his sin, the other one does not. Verse 41 says, we deserve to die for our crimes, the man said. And then he looks to Jesus the best way he could. Maybe he just tilted his head. I don't know how he did it, but I know this. He was drawing out into the forefront the man Jesus Christ, and he said, this man hasn't done anything wrong. In other words, we broke the law. We deserve to be hanging here. But this guy, this man, the one that's hanging right here in the middle, Jesus Christ, he's innocent. He's done nothing. He's done nothing wrong. If we had to summarize thief number two with a word, I think we could come up with quite a few as we did with thief number one. I could say he's guilty. If he was here today, he would agree with that. There's no doubt about it. I could also say, though, that he has a, a level of humility. He was humble. He was humble. He feared God. He recognized that he had done something wrong, and he knows he's not perfect, but he fears God. And if we had to summarize him with one word, it would be repentant. Repentant. And that is a big church word that just simply means he knows he's wrong, he recognizes what it is in his life that is wrong, and he's going to turn from it, he's going to change his mind about it, and he's going to go the other way, and he's not going to go back. And we are going to read in just a few minutes that he does exactly that. So thief number one was unrepentant, thief number two was repentant. He knows he needs mercy. He knows he needs help. He knows he needs grace. And here's what he knows that I know and that you know. And if you don't, I'm going to tell you for the first time because I love you just enough to tell you. You need to know that you can't do anything to save yourself. This man knew it. Thief number two knew it. So he called out on Jesus. Let me tell you why this is important. We live in a time today that culture has significantly shifted. And I, I, I would like to think, as I, I know I'm getting older with each passing year, but I, I like to think I've got my finger on the pulse of culture to understand and to recognize that there are some things that are happening in our culture that's so different than it was 40 years ago, 30 years ago. I would even say 20 years ago, and you would say, Jeff, how do you even know? You look so young. Thank you. Oh, but listen, 
there's been a shift in our culture. You know, a lot of people have a problem. Say, I had a problem saying, you know what? I've done wrong. I'm a sinner. I've crossed the line with God. I've not hit the mark. The wages for my sin should be death. And many times today, people get upset when you even want to talk to them about it. Even if it's in love, as Paul said in the book of Ephesians, we need to speak the truth in love. So many people, they don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear what they want to hear. Listen, I love you. Pastor Dwayne loves you. And we're going to tell you, in love, you need Jesus. You need to be repentant. You need to own what it is that you have done and what you have continued to do and turn from it and turn to Jesus. Don't sit around thinking you're not a bad person. And I'm not calling you bad. I'm saying that you're not good enough to get to heaven without Jesus. And we need to come to that realization today. The problem is when we have the mindset that we're comparing ourselves to other people instead of comparing ourselves to God, because here's what's super easy. What's super easy is for us to think, I'm not as bad as this person. I'm not as jacked up as the, my neighbor. I'm, 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 not, I, I'm not as messed up. That may be true. But who's doing the weighing? If, if I'm doing the weighing, you don't want that. If you're doing the weighing, you don't want that. Here's the, here's the beautiful thing about a relationship with Jesus Christ. We are all weighed equally. And we're not gauged against someone else. We are measured against God. The standard of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you why this is important. We've got to recognize that we have all broken God's laws and sinned. And we've got to start there because when we recognize we've sinned, if we don't do that, we don't recognize our need for a Savior and His name is Jesus. But the moment, the moment that we recognize, the moment that thief recognized that, listen, don't, don't be, do you know who you're talking to? This is Jesus Christ that's hanging here. The minute we recognize who Jesus is, what Jesus did for you and for me, the minute we recognize that, that we've fallen short of God's standard. It's that moment that we become a candidate for His grace, for His unmerited favor, for the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. But we can't even become a candidate for it until we recognize we need it. We can't. We can't. If we're unrepentant, if we're just full of pride and arrogant, man, we're, we're look, we're going to fall on one of the two sides. And if we're arrogant and unrepentant, if I was arrogant and unrepentant, I'd fall on the side of the thief that mocked Jesus. But if you recognize, I know I've done wrong. I know I've messed up. I really do need forgiveness, and I can't save myself, then thank God you're more like the other thief. Thief number two, we'll call him. I'll illustrate it this way. And... and uh, quickly, just so that you understand what grace looks like and that none of us really deserve it. But when it's offered, it's so precious. I would ask you if you were here in the building today and, 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 and you're not, you're at home, 
But if, if, if you've, like I said, it's, this is the 19th Easter message you've heard. You've heard a whole lot of messages in between. So I'm going to ask you this. If you've had a speeding ticket, raise your hand. And I guarantee you some of y'all are doing it. Thank you. Thank you for 100% participation and for the sound man and, and uh, the production guy that raised his hand. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that later, but that's not important right now. If you, if you raised your hand or in your mind you said, yeah, yeah, man, I've had a speeding ticket or two. Let me take you down memory lane uh, with Pastor Jeff for just a minute. Um, when I was 16 years old, my license got taken from me twice. And they weren't taken from me from my parents. They weren't taken from me from my big brother. My license were taken from me twice by the Montgomery County court system. I know. I know what you're thinking. Both of my offenses, because I was a minor and because of the um, nature of the offenses, okay, look, you're, you're wondering what it is. I'm just going to tell you right now. I, they said that I was drag racing and excessive speed and excessive lane changing without signaling and something about eluding a police officer. I don't know anything about it. That's a long time ago. I told you I'm old, okay? My memory's going. But here's what I do know. The first time I went to court, mama took me. Now, my mama, I miss my mama. My mama was from Tennessee. She I don't know how big she was, man. I don't know, maybe 4'11". I, I, I don't know. She was a little bitty Tennessee girl about this big, I know. But let me tell you, she was tough as nails. And when mom said no, it was no. And when mom said yes, it was yes. Come hell or high water, what mom said was exactly what it was. So the first time I had to go to court, mom took me. But I didn't worry about it because I was mom's favorite. I said it right up front, right on camera. It's recorded for my brothers and sisters to hear. It's time you know I was mom's favorite. I was the youngest of five. Ain't going to get no argument out of that. Here's the thing. I didn't act sorry. Because I thought I had nothing to worry about. Oh, let me break it down just a little bit more. I didn't have the reverence and respect for my mother that I should. I didn't have the fear of mom in my heart. Even though I knew, even though I knew she had the potential and the capability to make life a little difficult for me, I wasn't sorry. I didn't act sorry. I didn't say I was sorry. And my mama lectured me all the way home. When I got home, she punished me. And worst of all, I knew I disappointed my mama. Fast forward a little bit, not too long. It was actually, actually right after I got my license back. Uh, it, it, look, I'm a slow learner. But right after I got my license back, it happened again. I don't know. I think they were just out to get me. I'm going to play victim for a minute. But this time, mama couldn't take me. She had another appointment. So daddy took me. So dad took me, and I ain't going to lie, I was a little nervous about dad taking me. But here's the thing, dad wasn't, he didn't rule with a big iron fist, but dad meant what he said and said what he meant. And so as we went to that court, I was guilty, I knew I was guilty, and I told dad I was sorry for what I had done, and I was genuinely sorry, it wasn't me trying to get out of trouble, I was genuinely sorry, and I was stupid, and I let him know that, and I told him that I would never let it happen again, and, I, and I, 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 I genuinely lamented over what I had done. Well, we're walking out of the courtroom, and we get, walk down the stairs in downtown Dayton, Ohio. Some of you get in your mind right there. You, you see it, man. We're walking to the car. We get in the car. Of course, I got on the passenger side because, well, I had no license, but we sit down 
And my daddy, he looks at me. And I'm waiting for it. And out of dad's mouth said, where do you want to go to lunch? And I was stunned. And I thought, wait, you're supposed to start yelling at me now. And he let me know that he believed I was sorry. He knew that I had learned a lesson. And my father never mentioned that again. Now, if I'm going to be a completely 100% honest, mom brought that up a time or two. Dad never brought it up again. You say, Jeff, why are you telling us that? I tell you that to let you know if you're arrogant, if you're full of pride, our God looks on and says, I'm sorry, but I cannot help you. I can't help you because you don't realize you need help. You're not sorry for what you've done. But if you come to him and you're repentant and you say, I've sinned. Listen, I know I've done some stupid things. I've, I've messed it up. I've jacked it up. I've sinned. I've crossed the line in so many areas. Suddenly, suddenly, thank God you become a candidate for his grace. And here's what's so amazing to me. And this is the part that blows my mind. Jesus was hanging on the cross between two guilty people. They were both equally guilty. They both deserved death. Both men saw and heard the same things in the last final fatal moments on the cross. They heard it. They both had the same opportunity. They both needed a savior. One missed it, but one didn't. One missed it. And one didn't. What's been on my mind all week is knowing that the same thing is happening right now. Even as I'm speaking, even as you have been gracious enough to allow us to come into your home via the way of the internet through Facebook or through your electronic devices, I know the same thing is happening today. There's going to be two people, maybe side by side, one down the road, maybe in another city, across the state, across the country, maybe across the other side of the world hearing the same message about the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. And one person's going to be thief number one, critical, in denial, wish someone else could hear it because they don't need it, but someone else does. And then right next to them is going to be the person who says, I did it. I'm guilty. I've messed up. God, forgive me. I recognize my fault. I recognize my sin. And I recognize I can't save myself. You're thief number one. I'm thief number one or thief number two. The good news, <laughs> and I love telling good news. The good news, the second one is going to call out on Jesus. And he's going to be transformed in a way that is impossible to describe, to describe with earthly words. I, I honestly Even if I was a wordsmith, and I ain't, but if I was, I couldn't describe what God is getting ready to do. This man is going to be made new. This man is going to be forgiven, transformed, changed, and healed. Just like I was made brand new on February the 21st, 1983, when I recognized I was a liar, I was a sinner, I was a thief, and I bowed my heart to Jesus, and he made me brand new. He changed me. He healed me. He forgave me. The second thief deserved death, but Jesus Christ gave him life. And as our verse said in Romans 
gave him eternal life. And the reason I get so fired up about this is because his story is my story. His story is your story if you know Jesus. You were a thief. You were a liar. The way Jesus forgave this man is so, so powerful. And it illustrates the beauty of God's grace. Listen, it hasn't changed in all the years. And if this doesn't draw you to love God, then I don't know what will. Let me show you the power of the story. The second thief, he rebuked the first one, and then he looks at Jesus, and you watch what he says. Don't miss it, because if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss it. And this is the part I need you to catch. Verse 42, he says, Jesus calls out on the name of Jesus. 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 Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Did you get it? Did you get it? Did you get it? Let me read it again in case you missed it. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That was it. It wasn't like, oh, heavenly Father, I beseech thee, and now in the name of the Father and the Son. He didn't pray in the King James Version. Not that I'm against the King James Version, a little caveat there. But listen, there was nothing fancy. There was no begging. He didn't have to, listen, listen, this is important. He didn't have to put on anything except the realness of he needed Jesus. He knew he was broken. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he had death right in front of him, and Jesus was the only answer he had. Remember me when you come into your kingdom, and look what Jesus does. Oh, God. He looks back over to this guy in this moment of repentance. And in verse 43, Jesus replied, I assure you, pause, I assure you. You just feel that? I assure you. Look, when somebody says, I assure you, if their word is good, if you trust them, if you believe them, if someone says, I assure you, you can take it to the bank. I assure you, today, you will be with me in paradise, right there, in a couple of sentences, and eternity is changed for this guy forever. This is the simplest picture of salvation I think you'll find in the entire Bible. It it, it lines up beautifully. It just dovetails in perfectly what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. You know it. I'll just say it. For it is by grace, it is by grace You have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that you can't boast. By the grace of God, through believing what Jesus did on the cross, believing it was enough, not by works, not anything you've done, you can be made right with God. You ain't good enough. You can't go to church enough. You don't have enough money to give. You can't be nice enough. You can't be religious enough. You can't go through some behavior modification process. No, no. You're made right with God by his grace through faith. And our text illustrates it perfectly. The thief on the cross, he couldn't do any good because he was bound to the cross. He was going to be crucified. The thief on the cross, he couldn't go home and go to church because he couldn't get down off the cross. The thief on the cross, he couldn't turn over a new leaf and do anything good and and put some new things in his life that were going to unfold and change the world because he was dying. All he could do was trust in the grace of Jesus. Praise 
God on high. He does not treat us as our sin deserves or repays us according to our iniquities. Rather, if we are repentant and we recognize our need, Jesus will forgive, I assure you. And if you're not shouting yet, then I'll pause while you do. Friends, listen. Let me close. This is the heart of the gospel. See, we had to get through the cross. We're not good. God is good. And that's the heart of the gospel. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. You know the song. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you more, and there's nothing and there's no sin that you can commit to make him love you less. Not because that's what he does. It's because that's who he is. He's love. And the greatest act of love ever was what he did for us on the cross. Because he loves you so much, he was willing to die. Imagine our Savior, God in the flesh, on the cross, he should have been sitting on a throne, but instead he was on a cross. He should have had a crown of gold, but instead he had a crown of thorns. He should have been surrounded by servants, but instead he was surrounded by thieves. He was innocent, but he gave his life for us because I was guilty. I was guilty. Then Jesus, taking on the sins of the world, my sin, your sin, eventually he died. And the centurion, the one who was standing guard, he looks up at Jesus, and here's what he says, surely this man was the son of God. And when everyone else thought it was over, when those spectators thought it was over, can, can I say this? Even when his followers, his disciples thought it was over, when hell thought it was over. <laughs> it wasn't over. It was just starting. Because one day passed, two days passed, and on the third glorious day, when some women went to the tomb, the stone was rolled away, and Jesus was gone. He was alive. He was risen from the dead. And that one act defeated death, hell, and the grave. And the power of the resurrection gives you and it gives me power over sin. We've all sinned. We've determined that. We all deserve death. But remember, the wages of sin are death. But the gift of God, Jesus, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And his great mercy, he's given us new birth. He's given us the opportunity to hit the big reset button in our life and start all over. Listen, listen, I, I will never, ever, Pastor Dwayne will never, ever, Pastor Rob, any of us here would ever downplay what sin has done to your life. We won't. We also won't ever downplay what it is you're involved with. 
See, just because I might not be dealing with it doesn't mean it's not in your world and vice versa. But here's what I want to say, and and you need to hear my heart. I, I say it with love without downplaying it. Please hear me. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, that you're dealing with, it's not stronger than the grave. It's not stronger than death. And if Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave by raising again on that beautiful first Easter morning, listen to me, listen to me. He can take care of what it is you're dealing with. You can't do it with good works. But through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, that's why we gather today with billions of people across this globe. And we say, we love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. But my question has to be to you. Are you thief number one? Are you thief number two? God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Father. that you sent your son. And God, I thank you that he died for me, but oh God, I thank you so much. (laughs) Oh, that he rolled the stone away and he is still alive today, seated at your right hand. God, I pray today that people that hear this under the sound of my voice right now, even though there's only a couple in this room, Lord Jesus, I pray That those who would hear this as it goes into homes, as it goes through communities and across states and across this globe, I pray, Lord Jesus, that it would be a different place. Their home would be different. Their life would be different. Their neighborhood would be different. Their communities would be different because of the grace and the power and the mercy and the love of Jesus. Now, Many of you, maybe you've been Christ followers for a long time. And if I allowed, and maybe we'll do this, I'll talk to the production team. Maybe you could send us your story of how you met Jesus. Man, I know one thing, I'd love to hear it. But maybe you're at home or wherever you're at listening to this, and you already know Jesus. You've accepted him as your Savior, and you've known him for some time. Listen, I want to give you a chance just to share your love. I think we don't, I think sometimes preachers, man, we, 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 We kind of want to get somewhere in a message. I know I'm guilty of it at times. We want to get somewhere in a message, and we don't allow people the opportunity to thank Jesus for what he's done. So maybe you've been following him for a while. You know what he's done for you. I want to give you a chance to share your love and your worship with Jesus right now. All of you online, all of you wherever you're at, those of you who would say, I'm not who I was. Or as my daddy always said, I'm not always what I should be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. Would you just, would you just take a moment right where you're at and thank God that he has changed you, fixed your life, that you put your faith and your trust in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Would you just stop, pause, whatever's happening right now, just throw the brakes on. And thank Jesus. Mm. 
God, I thank you, Lord. Jesus, thank you for what you've done. God, I thank you for my family. I thank you for my church. I thank you for my wife, my beautiful children, my grandchildren. Oh, God, I thank you for my friends. But Lord, most importantly, I thank you that you rescued me. You rescued me from hell. you came down and you picked me up out of a hole and you put my feet on a solid rock and you put a new song in my mouth. You put a new passion in my heart. I thank you for that, Jesus. I bless your name. I also believe, and I'd be a fool not to believe it, if some they're listening to this right now. And you're getting a little awkward. In fact, you've been wanting to shut this off now, but you just ain't made it up to put that button down yet. Before you do, hear this. God ain't mad at you. God's not mad at you. Oh, somebody needs to hear it one more time. God's not mad at you. He's not. He sent his son for you. You know what you deserve. Oh, but listen, you can say, I deserve it. And Jesus swoops in and says, oh, yeah, you deserve it. Oh, but I already paid for it. So I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I want to give you life, life everlasting. If that's you, you know, if you recognize that, if, 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 I, if I could be so bold, the hardest part of this equation is already behind you. No, no, listen. The hardest part of the journey to Jesus is recognizing you need to get to Jesus. And if you're out there right now and you've stayed with me this long, and as Miss Heather said, we're going to partake in uh, communion together as we go to the Lord's table together. Oh, but before we do, if you need Jesus and you recognize that, just make him Lord of your life. Invite him in. Give him all of you. Hey, like I did with my father, admit you're wrong. But don't just admit you're wrong to get out of a whooping. Admit you're wrong. Admit you're a sinner so that you can turn from it, be repentant, and start a new life in a new direction. Maybe once you do that, you'll see things differently. You might need to turn to your spouse and say, I'm sorry. You might need to get down on one knee with your kid and say, you know what? Daddy's sorry. Mom's sorry. I ain't been the parent I should be. But things are going to be different from this point on because of Jesus. Because he's alive in me today. If that's you, agree with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, the powerful, <laughs> tomb-breaking name of Jesus. God, I admit 
And I accept the fact that I deserve to be punished. But I call out and I ask for your grace and your mercy. I recognize that I'm a sinner. Oh, but I ask you to save me by your grace. And although I can't touch you and feel you, Jesus, by faith, I ask you to come into my life. Oh, listen, arrest my heart, Jesus. Change me. I want to be made brand new. I lay my old life down and I pick up your life, Jesus. Chain-breaking, hell-defeating life. I pick it up. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for changing me. In the powerful name of Jesus, I accept your forgiveness. And I believe in my heart, you've made me brand new. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, let us know in the comments. Listen, we don't put marks on our belt by how many people click on a button. But we want to know how to pray for you. Listen, we're not now in a public setting. We're not in a corporate setting where what I would do if you were here, I might as well tell you now for when you come, what I will do because, listen, when someone receives Jesus, man, the change was obvious. And they didn't do it in secret or in private. So if you were here, you would want people to know. I would ask you to fill out just a, 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 a card with your name on it. I'm never going to come to your house unless I'm invited. Pastor Dwayne's not going to come and knock on your door. Maybe if it's dinner time. But other than that, we're not. And here's why. Because we won't cross boundaries. We don't have the right to cross. Oh, but we want to pray for you. So if today was your restart, if today this incredible Easter Sunday was the day that you gave Jesus all of you, would you let us know? Just let us know. We'll pray for you. If you need to know your next steps, hit us up. Hit us up on Facebook. Either the Body Gathering page or Living Water Dayton. Just, just hit us up. Email us. Private message. Whatever you got to do, hit us up. If you need a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. If you just need next steps, if you need to know how to study your Bible, listen, we will get engaged with you. Oh, listen, electronically as it we're at right now, we'll engage with you. You will not slip through the cracks. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day with your family. Happy Easter.